This podcast is hosted by a child sexual abuse and rape survivor who has also experienced homelessness, physical and emotional abuse, suicide attempts, and other traumatic events. Although Jess speaks with tenderness and charity on these subjects, some may find the content uncomfortable to listen to. If you are sensitive to these types of life experiences, we encourage you to pause this podcast and read the show notes for the particular episode to decide if you would like to continue. You're listening to the Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen podcast, hosted by Jess Echeverry, wife to a Catholic deacon, mother to five children, and dog mom to English bulldogs Chulo and Duke, as well as a survivor, speaker, woman and family advocate, and author. A convert to the faith, Jess goes beyond the class curriculum or church document and invites you to a conversation about our daily faith walk, our relationship with Christ and the church, and everything else in between. It's a heart-to-heart that leaves you with a good feeling in your soul. And now, without further ado, here's Jess. Hello, friends, and thank you, my listeners, for joining me again. Jess Echeverry here on episode three of my Lenten podcast series, Finding the Key to Perfect Forgiveness. Um, If this happens to be your first episode that you're tuning into, I do highly encourage you to pause this episode and go back to season two, episode one, and start at the beginning of this series. I think that you will benefit greatly from doing that. Listen to season two, episode one. Listen to episode two. They're not very long. I think they're like 20, maybe 16, 20 minutes, 16 to 20, 25 minutes each. Um, and then come on back to this one, episode three. I think that will give you... Um, a fuller understanding and context to what this episode is going to be about. On this episode, this is episode three of the podcast series, I'm going to speak more in depth on the forgiveness cycle and the four phases that God allowed me to experience. Um, And so today I'm going to talk about phase two. And phase two is titled acknowledgement. Okay, and so Phase two acknowledgement. What does this mean? And actually, the more important question is, how did we get to phase two from phase one? So just to recap, I did speak about this at the end of um, my last episode. How do you get from phase one, which is denial, to phase two, which is acknowledgement, that self-acknowledgement of our wounds? And so last episode, I did speak um, about, I think there was four. Yeah, I think there was four four ways, um, at least in my experience that I've encountered, where people can move from phase one denial to phase two acknowledgement. And the first one is a major life event, right? As you get older, you become an adult, you get married, you have children. These types of life events can move someone to remember their childhood, remember their upbringing, remember any type of um, childhood experiences, traumas, or wounds that have uh, have occurred. Um, so they're kind of like triggers. These major life events can act as triggers and kind of surface up these old wounds. Um, The second one would be by choice, through going to therapy um, or counseling, right? Discovering or unsurfacing our old wounds by by actually being a willing participant and going in there and like talking about it. So that's what happened to me in my therapy. Um, And then third kind of being forced or shocked into acknowledgement of the things that you've suffered from, right? Usually this happens by someone experiencing a severe mental health crisis, a breakdown, 
where, you know, emotionally, internally, you feel there's a chaos happening, a really severe um, event. And so you're kind of forced to face in order to come out of that event, right? You kind of have to force yourself to figure out what's going on. And then fourth, um, that would be encountering someone's personal testimony, right? Hearing somebody's personal testimony and having that become something that you identify with. Maybe you hear somebody's testimony and you think, oh, that happened to me as a child or, oh, I completely forgot about that. I had that same experience. So that type of awareness can happen that can help bring people out of that denial stage in phase one and bring them into a type of acknowledgement of these wounds, right? So phase two acknowledgement, it's, it's like allowing the truth of what's happened to us to begin to really set us free, right, in this, um, in this cycle of forgiveness. And so what does that mean? So we, in order to acknowledge what's happened to us, right, the wounds and the traumas that we've suffered, we have to give them proper treatment. That's, that, that's what this means. It means, okay, you recognize you've been wounded. Now it's time to treat the wound. So the example that, that I like to give is, you know, you're, you're riding your bike, you're, you know, you fall, you crash, you slash your leg open. You, you know, you now have this, this wound that you have to treat. You're expected to treat it right? So you go to the hospital, you get stitches, you know, and if you do all the proper things to treat it, then you're likely going to be left with no scar or very little scar. You're not going to get an infection. It's not going to, you don't have to worry about all that. It's going to be properly treated. Okay. And so I like to use an example because we, a lot of times we see physical wounds on our body and we know that they require treatment right? But when we have emotional, spiritual, psychological wounds, we don't give them the proper treatment. We just don't. We're, we're either too young when they happen and we just don't know better, or we stay in that, des- that denial stage because it, we just don't want to go through the cleaning out of that wound that needs to, that needs to happen, right? We're afraid of that. But there are two aspects to this wound treatment that leads to this acknowledgement and this, this mastering, this acknowledgement in phase two. And that is, you know, the, the treatment of our wounds is truth and value. And when I talk, I want to talk a little bit more about that with you. And the truth of what's happened to us. That's a part of acknowledgement. A lot of times people who suffer, especially as children, um, childhood wounds, they end up making decisions that place them in an environment where they are around other people who've suffered the same wounds. So there's a type of normalcy, right, to this dysfunction that they've experienced. And so that keeps them trapped in in this denial. So they don't acknowledge the truth of what's really happened to them because They've been in this lie that what, they, what they've experienced is just normal. So acknowledging the truth of the wound, right? So for example, acknowledging um, that I was raped, acknowledging that that happened to me, acknowledging that rape is evil and it's terrible and it's, it's atrocious, it's disgusting, you know, 
it's hard to come to that truth that something evil and terrible and disgusting and atrocious happened to you. It's very difficult, but it's necessary. We have to base everything that we do. It has to be the foundation in truth. That's where we start with everything. And so we have to come to the truth within ourselves of what our wound truly is. The other part of that is value. The other part of the treatment of our wounds. And value is this sense of, you know, reprocessing the wound and giving it the appropriate emotional response. Now, this happens a lot in therapy. That's where it happened for me. And that is the the proper environment for this type of reprocessing. So that's what I encourage um, you to do is, is to seek that type of professional help in order to, to, to move through this phase. And I'll speak a little bit more about that in a little bit. But this reprocessing of the wound, right? We now have been honest with ourselves about what's happened to us. And now, like for instance, in, for instance, in my case, now we need to give it the appropriate response. So for someone like me, when I was raped, I was 12 years old. And there was nobody there. It was me and my attacker. Um, it was it was difficult in regards to, you know, I was thrown down on concrete. I, I immediately went into, once I realized when I tried to scream and nothing came out, I immediately went into disassociation, which is very common for rape victims. Um, I stared at a crack in the concrete wall and I started imagining it as different things. And so that is how my body, my brain, myself, that's what, that's what I went into in order to survive that attack. And people's response to this type of um, trauma um, can be very different. Some will disassociate, some won't, some will scream and fight, some will feel numb and feel like they can't move their body. All of those experiences are valid and there's no wrong response to when something like this happens to you. But when we reprocess that, and that's what happened with me, it helps to give the action the appropriate response. So if you were walking in the park and all of a sudden you saw someone come over and kick a dog and the dog yelped, you know, you're, would you like be like, mm, not say anything and keep walking? Or, I mean, I would say a majority of us would be like, hey, why did you just do it? Like we would have a response appropriate to the action. And this is what I've learned for myself. That this was very important part of my healing. My last therapist that I was with, I ended up seeing her um, quite a few times when I first went to her kind of beating around the bush and not getting to, you know, talking about my, my true traumas, you know, oh, I have a husband, I have a kid, you know, we had, we had a lot of small talk in the beginning. And then finally, we ran out of small talk. And she just kind of looked at me waiting, because she knew it was time, I knew it was time to talk to talk about the big stuff. And so I did, I proceeded to tell her about my rape experience. And she listened to me speak through the whole thing. I remember as I was telling her my experience, she teared up. There were tears running down her face. Um, and when I was done, you know, she respected everything I had to say. When I was done, she threw her notepad down 
and jumped up out of her chair. I mean, her fists were tight and they were, her arms were straight out and she was screaming, you know, I hate him. I can't believe this happened to you. I just want to strangle him and kick him and beat him. And, and she was having this angry outburst. And I remember sitting there and at first I thought she was crazy. I honestly was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? But then as I looked at her, I that didn't last long, that thinking she was crazy. It hit me. And it hit me in a way where I felt validated. The pain that was that I experienced, the 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 trauma and the wound that my offender caused me became real. Like how how it hurt me became real because I was watching this woman who I didn't even really know stand up for me, stand up for my dignity as a person, right? And when I saw that, it, it moved me. It changed me. It, it brought me hope. It made me feel like, yeah, yeah, somebody should be mad when I tell them this, you know, because and and I'm sure that there's other um, rape survivors and, and wounded survivors out there when people who either haven't been in that situation or yeah, it's mainly people who haven't experienced what you've experienced. It makes them uncomfortable. It makes, you know, you speaking about it or, or saying something like, oh, yeah, I was raped when I was 16, 25, doesn't matter when I was raped. People withdraw when they hear that because they don't know what the appropriate response is, right? Well, here's the answer to that, okay? And this is how you can help a survivor of rape rape and, and woundedness. Give the action its appropriate response. Give it its value. The truth of the action determines the valued response, Okay, if somebody sits down and you're in a conversation with them to the point where they say to you, you know, I went through this rape experience and da da da, you should be valued, validating the action by your response, meaning, oh my gosh, how terrible of an experience. Uh, it, you know, and, and saying that makes me angry to hear. You know, things like that. How would you react if you just found out that your best friend was raped? Like, how how would, you know, how would you want someone to react? You would want somebody to stand up. You would want someone to fight for the value of your person. You would want somebody to act like they just heard a dog get kicked. <laughs> That's what you would want. And as a little girl, I didn't know how to share what had happened with me, number one. And I also didn't know how to receive that validation because as I got older, I only shared what happened to me with two people. And, you know, the first person I shared it with was was my high school boyfriend. And he had that response. He had that response, not in such a great way, but he was angered and he wanted to find the person and he wanted to beat him to a pulp. And that helped and it, it really strengthened my relationship with him at the time. You know, but outside of that and even to this day, when when I say I am a rape survivor, people withdraw. They, you know, they, they don't want to talk anymore about it. 
you know, they don't, they don't want to, Ooh, that's too much for me. Well, it was too much for me having to go through that experience and you being uncomfortable hearing that that's the experience that I went through. That doesn't validate the dignity of my human person. You know, especially when if you see a dog getting kicked, you have no problem speaking up, you see. So truth and value, that's the proper treatment to these wounds. And that's what phase two, this acknowledgement, that's what it's calling for. That's, that's what's in this phase is allowing ourselves to be truthful with what happened to us and giving it the appropriate response. Now, I want to speak particularly about what this face feels like. Oh my gosh. If you read my book, you, you read, especially if you read the epilogue, this is a life shattering time. It was a life shattering time for me. It's the spiritual battle in this phase is the greatest, the strongest that I've ever had to experience. Um, that I've ever had to experience. And let me explain to you why that's the case, okay? Because in denial, we've got, you know, Satan. If you don't believe in Satan, then, well, I don't have time to go into that on this podcast. But Satan is real, okay? The devil is real, just like God is real. Um, and he exists and he and he wants to destroy your soul. That's That's the truth. And... He will do everything in his power to take all the things that have happened to us in our lives and use them against us, right? That's what he wants. So you take my life, for instance, you take the brokenness in my family, boom, crack in the door for evil to come in, for these demons to to reside, right? Then you take my molestation, you know, boom, big, big open door for evil to come in and become present and, and, and start affecting my life. Then you have my rape at 12. You know, you have homelessness and all the things I experienced. So look, all of these demons, right? Their one job is to destroy my soul. And the way they do it is to keep me in denial, right? Stage one. That's their job. Their job is to latch on so tight to me as many as they possibly can, right? Um, these, these little, these devils and keep me in denial. They want me there because what phase two does is it exposes the truth, right? It takes what's in the dark and it puts it in the shining light. That's what it does. This is the truth of what happened. This is something that's been in the dark. It's been in denial. It's been buried. You haven't been able to acknowledge and to see it right? And everybody knows that the devil hates the light. He hates it. He shrivels up. He runs away, right? And so he wants you to stay in denial. He doesn't want you to move. And so that spiritual battle, him trying to convince you to feel better by going back into denial and staying there, that's the lie. That's the, that's the assault that happens on your spiritual self in this phase. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's going deep into your wounds, you know, acknowledging that truth, giving it that value and basically ripping off 
those demons that have been attached this whole time, you know, hoping and, and keeping you in that denial phase. Now, this is also a phase for me where I experienced very, very severe depression. I started experiencing suicidal thoughts again. Again, when those things happen, those are lies. Those are lies. That's just the devil trying to convince you you're going crazy. I know I remember, you know, I would stand in the shower and just have the hot water running over me and I would just cry and scream and cry because you feel like, you know, you have this old self who denied everything and you saw things this way of this denial. And then now you're 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 seeing the truth. And so this is this new self that you're kind of moving into and the old and the new identities, you know, of yourself, they're clashing. They're creating chaos inside of you. And it's it's a it's a just it's just a really difficult time. This phase um, requires support, right? If you are um, if you're Catholic, you need to be um, participating in the sacraments fully and frequently um, to help you with this particular phase. Um, it, spiritual direction, uh, you you need to uh, a mental health provider, counseling, therapy, even a best friend who you can always just call and has, you know, he the devil wants us to be alone and he wants us to feel alone. And the, the truth of that is that we're never alone. God is with us. But he also called us in scripture, you know, where two or more are gathered, I'm there in their presence. And so we have to really take heed to that and make the right decisions to protect ourselves, you know, to go into this spiritual battle um, in phase two, because that is definitely, definitely where this spiritual battle for me, for me was just at its worst. But how do we get from stage two to stage three? First of all, what is stage three? Let me let you know what stage three is just in case you don't. Stage three is acceptance and forgiveness for ourselves. It's basically for our own benefit, right? It's where the world tells you, you know, you need to get to and then you're done with all this forgiveness stuff and now you feel better and your, your life is all better and you're so good, right? So Moving from stage two, right, this acknowledgement to stage three, usually it has to do, this is where most people are searching for that higher power or like I was, that power within myself, right? It's when people start realizing, oh, you know what, maybe I should start, you know, meditating, you know, maybe I should start doing yoga or maybe I should start it. You start looking for things that you can do in your life to help calm the chaos of the spiritual battle that happens in phase two. And that's usually how we move into stage three. Whatever we found, whether it be God, whether it be Jesus, whether it be, you know, Buddhism, whether it be self-realization, which is me, which is what happened with me, um, whether it be, you know, meditation and crystals, you know, which I'm absolutely against, but I'm just saying that that's some people's journey and path. Whatever that other thing is that we're now doing because we it, it it's giving us what we feel is peace inside of us, that's usually what brings us to stage three. Um, and that acceptance, that forgiveness of ourselves, again, it's, it's where the secular world basically puts the stop sign up. 
It basically says, you did it. You're done. You've forgiven. You're all good. You should be happy now. Congratulations. Good job. Pat on the back. Move you along. But join me. Please join me. I hope you will join me next week as I go into phase three and explain what that looks like and also how that stop sign is fake. Yeah, that stop sign is fake. So God is calling us further. Isn't he always calling us further, (laughs) right? It's like we think we've gotten to a certain point and then God says, no, no, come some more, you know? It reminds me when you're learning how to swim in the pool, you know? And, 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 you know, I did this with my kids and my parents did it with me. It's like you're swimming and they're like, yeah, I'm right here. But really they're walking slowly backwards and you're not really ever getting to them. That's God, right? But it's all for our benefit because it teaches us how to swim. But again, it's all for our benefit. It teaches us how to draw closer to him and to come into his perfectness you know, when our, when our time comes. So please, I hope you'll join me. I hope you will join me. But before I go, I do want to just say a prayer for all of those who are in phase two right now. If you're listening or if you know someone who's really struggling, it's a very, very difficult time. And I want to pray for them that, you know, that, that they, the peace of Christ enters into their hearts and their souls and their minds and and they move into phase three in a peaceful way and that our holy mother our holy mother takes them underneath her beautiful veil of protection and and keeps them from from any more evil from all evil i really do um i pray that for all of those who are suffering in phase two right now Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk about phase three next week on my Lenten podcast series, Finding the Key to Perfect Forgiveness. God bless you. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and spread the word. Tell your friends and family on social media to leave us a five-star review. Make sure to check the show notes for helpful links about topics discussed in this episode. Jess's latest book, Dazzle, Finding the Key to Perfect Forgiveness, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Balboa Press, as well as Momaletics.com. That's M-O-M-M-A-L-E-T-I-C-S dot com, where you can also connect with her directly. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time for more heart-to-heart and good feelings in your soul on Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen.